Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is March 29th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And this is coming out on a Tuesday. And you know what's happening tonight? The Bruins and the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs are coming to town. How can you not be excited about that? It's been, it feels like it's been forever. Kind of has been. Need the Maple Leafs back in town to spice things up a bit. Because right? things are too good around here. We're, you know, they need to be even better. Uh, but uh, in this episode... Uh, Connor and I discussed kind of everything that's going on right now is pretty good with the Bruins. Like things are pretty good. And we kind of got into why they're good and how it came to this and kind of where they came from. And we also looked ahead to where their playoff positioning is right now, which might scare some of you. It might. And I wouldn't blame you. It scares me. It's you know, kind of history scares you a bit where they're ranked right now, or at least where they're slotted. If the playoffs began today. So uh, that was today's episode. Uh, really good conversation with my friend Connor, as it always is. Uh, and remember, this episode is always brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 at 50% cash back off your first deposit. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> and we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Not as great as the Bruins. I don't think anybody could be doing as great as the Bruins. 14-2-1 in their last 17 games. I mean, this is a crazy run. Um, and I got to say, Connor, you and I, we did a lot of, we've done a lot of podcasts together. I think everybody knows. Uh, a lot of the podcasts at the beginning of the season were very negative, right? They had that negative tone, kind of felt like things were ending. You know, hey, you know, remember those episodes where it'd say, hey, you know, are they going to be, are they going to be sellers at the deadline? Are they going to stand pat? Like what, you know, Patrice Bergeron's future, what's this team going to do? And suddenly, suddenly I was, I was doing the agenda for this episode and I was writing everything down and I go, huh, that's positive. That's positive. That's positive. Wow. That's pretty positive. That's really positive. Oh my God. What a 180 this team has done uh, over the past couple of months. And last year's 180 Felt like it was sparked by the deadline. This year's 180 feels like it's been brewing for a few months now. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, you look at Hampus Lindholm and the impact he's had, which has been evident, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, but you look at probably the real resurgence of this team started probably with that uh, January 1st kind of hot reset they had after the COVID outbreak, where it kind of gave Bruce Cassidy and his staff time to really, you know, shuffle up those lines and see how they were going to do. And it's been a bit of a process, right? But you're looking now and you're seeing how these lines are rolling. And whether it's uh, Eric Hollis serving as the 2C, which I feel like we've said multiple times, kind of skeptical about, but he's continuing to shut me and probably a lot of other people up with the way he's playing right now. You look at that third line with Trent Frederick, who I think earlier on in the year we were talking about him as like, what role does he have? Is he just a fourth line grinder? Is he even that? Like, are there other guys that should be playing ahead of him? He's fitting very well in that third line now. Craig Smith was slow out of the gate. He's playing great. And then Charlie Coyle, who's on pace for I think like 48, 50 points now this season. Like, yeah. I mean, he's been fantastic as well. Like you look at where those lines are and the fourth line is the fourth line, which you kind of know what you're going to get. You don't know when that baseline production is going to be, but the only other line that right now you're looking at them, like is the first line one that you're like waiting to see kind of build a little, a little bit of momentum, which if that's the case, it's a great problem to have because you've got Patrice Bergeron and Brad Martian on the line. I think they're going to be okay. So you look yeah. at the way they're all playing right now, as you said, it's not just been something that's been started from the, the deadline on. This has been brewing for a while, and you're seeing the results up and down the lineup right now. And look at just, I mean, Patrice Bergeron on Saturday in the power play, what a difference yeah. that made. Uh, and again, we'll get to all those things. I want to start though with Hampus Lindholm, because he looked, I mean, it's been two games. He looked terrific against Tampa Bay, which again, is like the ultimate test, which yeah. we will get to in a bit, because if you take a look at those standings. Playoffs ended today. You're playing Tampa in the first round. So we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll put that, we'll push that off. But Lindholm, I mean, again, great in transition, moved the puck really well, um, got an assist. And then against the Islanders, he's moved down mid game uh, with Brandon Carlo, showing that they can kind of, you know, plug in place with him, put him anywhere. Uh, seems like this guy, at least in the short term, you know, long term, it's hard to tell well, how he'll age and things like that. But Short-term return, again, very short, looks pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wherever you kind of put him in the lineup, he's been impactful. And it's one of those things where you look at his baseline production, you look at his frame and how he projects as just a top four stalwart guy that will eat 20-plus minutes a night, power play, PK. That's all great. And that helps out a great deal on this defense, right, in terms of just having that stabilizing presence that, you know, for at least the next eight years, you can pencil him into the lineup wherever you put him with, whether it's with McAvoy, with Kahlo, wherever, it's going to work out pretty well. But then you look at maybe some of the other things with his game that are maybe a little bit tougher to quantify, but make such a huge impact. Like you look at that game against Tampa, he was so good in transition, whether it's just retrieving the puck, um, whether it's making that first pass, he had a few where he exited his zone, holding on to the puck himself. Like there's just so many ways that even though that's maybe not something that catches the eye of maybe like a casual fan, it makes a world of a difference, especially against teams like Tampa, where it's one mistake in the D zone. All of a sudden, they're up one nothing. They can bury <laughs> you in a hurry. Look at a team like Carolina, which I think their bread and butter is more or less that that forecheck they have. And it's creating turnovers, creating havoc, and capitalizing on those chances. When you've got, you know, you already have weapons on that defense with guys like McAvoy who are good at negating that. You had another elite talent in that regard and Lindholm there, it just makes it so much easier. And it's whether it's you put him with McAvoy and how great their numbers have been uh, so far this year, or as you said, put him with Kahlo um, and you've got 
you're, you're balancing out that elite talent on another pairing as well. And if it's McAvoy and Grizzlick, I think the Bruins will take that as well, right? Like whichever way you kind of map it out and, you know, they're still kind of sorting out that third D pair and how that kind of best works out right now. But whether it be Lindholm solidifying that top four, or now you've got this internal competition more or less in that third D pair, right? Like we imagine that Mike Riley's going to get in a game and he probably should. He's a very talented player and you can make the argument that he's probably best utilized on that third D pair where it's kind of easier matchups, kind of like coil on that third line yes. and how he's exploiting matchups. Right. But you look in these last couple of games where you don't know whether those starting reps are going to be up for grabs and Connor Clifton has been playing pretty well. So it's a good problem, right? Like you're pushing Clifton. I'm sure Mike Riley wants to get back into a game. Josh Brown was probably wants to get into the game, make an immediate impact. It's kind of like Jared Tenorti, right? Where he gets in one game and just fights Tom Wilson. Like that's how you make an impact on this club by playing to your strengths. So uh, you're seeing it not just on the ice with the baseline production, with the maybe the underlying skills in Lindholm's game, but just his presence alone is really balancing out that decoy. And you're seeing the returns, again, all across the depth chart. It's funny with a guy like uh, Hampus Lindholm. I mean, he just adds such an element to that you just didn't have before. Again, like mm-hmm. you're putting Derek Forbert in the top four, which debatable, Mike Riley, debatable top four. But to now be like, hey, we can put Derek Forbert and Mike Riley in their actual where they should be. On a couple, I mean, do you remember after uh, the Bruins lost to the Islanders in the playoffs? We were, we were kind of having our post mortem after the game, and we were saying how like Mike Riley is a third pairing defenseman on a really good team. Like if you're competing for a cup, Mike Riley should be on your third pairing. You got that now. Mike Riley's not even in your lineup. Yeah. Like again, I think you just have a lot of depth there. Um, they didn't have before with someone who's a legit uh, top four defenseman. And and, um, and I I think that's too one thing, Evan, where it's like it makes such a world of difference, not just for the coaches and stuff in terms of putting guys in the best spot, but I think for players too, it's probably, you know, I'm sure Mike Riley right now is like, I want to get into the lineup, obviously, but I think you look at maybe a guy like Derek Fulbert, right. Where it's, you know what your role is. You're more just playing to your strengths. It's PK. It's doing the simple thing. He's not with McAvoy where he's maybe playing above his head and is maybe doing too much. Cause he's like, I'm with Charlie. I got to make the extra play. I got to handle the puck more. It's like, no, Play to your strengths. Same with kind of like Lozon, right? Like Jeremy Lozon with Charlie McAvoy doing a bit too much, probably not the right spot for him. If he's like your third pairing guy, it makes much more sense. And then you can say the same thing with Fulbert, who I think the start of the year people were not really thrilled with. And again, he's not a flashy guy. What you see is what you get with Derek Fulbert. But if his role's getting 16, 17, 18 minutes a night, getting a lot of D zone shifts, getting a lot of PK work and does his job and doesn't kind of overstretch what his responsibilities are. That's all you can ask for. And if that's his job, he probably, he can do it pretty well. Yeah. Lozon's a little debatable. That's, yeah. Lozon is see, having Lozon's a, a less than ideal time in <laughs> yeah. Seattle right now. But And he didn't he get traded to Nashville? Oh, he did. Yeah. Holy crap. That's certainly how much I've been paying attention. I have no I have idea not, how he's I have doing not spent a, uh, a large, uh, large amount of time looking at Seattle or anything out there because that team has been brutal largely dreadful for most of the year but and even even when around the deadline when it was like oh you know giordano and johansson and even lozon people were saying oh the Bruins should go get lozon again it's like no like those are such depreciating assets that have had bad seasons like there's uh, there's no one on that team that i'm like dying for the bruins to go out and get which it's tough it was so weird when i was writing this episode not writing it like you know we, we have a script uh but when writing the agenda for this episode i was like damn there's no trade deadline to talk about that was the easiest like thing to kind of discuss um over the past bunch of months but yeah i i think the the, the kraken are 
They're not eliminated yet, though. Montreal is eliminated. Montreal is the first one down. So tough. It's tough to see. I hate to see that. Seattle, though, still has a chance. There's still a chance. No. Uh, no. They, yeah, they, they, they have a, they have a tough road out there, um, out west. Uh, one thing, it's funny. We were mentioning the Islanders a lot in the game on on Saturday. The thing that to me that stuck out the most in that game was, and I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I've said this a lot this year. The depth up front. You have depth up front. You've never had this, or you haven't had this in a really long time. Uh, you saw a little bit in the 2019 run where the, the third line was rolling, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but you got depth. Your first line scored goals, right? DeBrusque had the weird bat in, Martian had a goal. You had the second line scoring with Eric Halla, uh, and Taylor Hall had one, I believe, as well. I know it was on the power. Posternock play, had still, one. Posternock had one as well. And the third line's cashing in, right? Craig Smith, and you see, like, Coyle just freaking going straight that down was like the a, That was like a Neely move, just uh, yeah. obliterated Pelic there. Just And Pelic's a terrific shutdown defenseman. Like, that's not just some, like, jabroni on a third pairing from New York. That's like a legit, Adam Pelic's legit. Um, and you have depth. You got depth up front. And so I keep looking at this, and I go, huh? Makes them a little bit stronger of a contender. How, how much stronger does this make them? Uh, I mean, I think they're right in the mix now, right? I mean, you look at not just only the fact that you got a team like Tampa who's cooling off a bit. Uh, Ryan McDonough's hurt for them, which is a huge loss. I mean, who knows how long he's going to be out for. Should, should um, be a Bruin. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, it only took them four years to kind of correct that by getting Lindholm. But again, look how much of a difference that made. Um, but yeah, you look at the way they're playing right now. And I think still for the Bruins to go far, it's going to rely on, I think their biggest strength, which is their defense, which I think you saw, especially in that game against Tampa Bay. Like that's how you can grind through a series. Cause it wasn't just, they were limiting them uh, in the offensive zone. They were breaking the puck out. Well, uh, retrieving pucks, um, finishing uh, hits. They were pretty physical in that game, which I think was encouraging to see that fourth line had a lot of good hits. As you said, the third line has been kind of bullying teams and uh, making the most of their chances as well. So I think that's going to be your bread butter and that's, what's going to get you through these playoff runs. But yeah, as you said, if these guys continue to contribute like this, it's going to help your chances of pushing you across, especially when these games get a lot tighter. If you know, a, a, a team's matching up against the Bruins, if they look at this team and for years, it's been the same old formula, right? Like pressure, their defense shut down the Bergeron line and you, you sh- you'll be all set. You, you know, it's going to be a tough series. They're going to play you tough, but, you exploit those matchups, you're going to win. Now it's, all right, you know, what do we do with this second line with Hall, you know, Hall and Pasternak, because they can bury you. Bergeron line, still the Bergeron line. Like, even though I think people were maybe a little bit concerned that DeBrusque was cooling down, let's see how they do now that Bergeron's back in the middle, which I think makes the world of a difference, right? Um, and you got that third line. Like, the third line's playing right now better than than that Heinen and Johansson line, right? Like, oh yeah, I, I was looking up. Yeah, I was looking up the stats yesterday, and like it shocked me. Like the the um, Frederick Coyle Smith line, they've been on the ice together for like two hundred minutes, and they've outscored teams thirteen to two. That's not so. Like, that's crazy. That's yeah, thirteen to two. I thought it was you know eight to four or something like that, yeah. which is great. Thirteen to two is wild, especially for a team that's not like they're getting a lot of offensive zone time too. They're like, you know, breaking the puck out, moving the puck through the neutral zone, establishing ozone possession and burying their chances now, which I think it's helped out quite a bit that Craig Smith is finding his scoring touch. Cause that makes a world of a difference to have a guy that can finish on that line. But um, no, you're looking at the way the depth of this team is right now. Um, 
it's only going to help your chances, especially if you continue to adhere to that defensive identity, which is, I think, what's going to get you through most of these grind out games in the playoffs. But if you're another team that's kind of mapping out the way to take advantage of them, it's easier said than done. It's tougher than I think it's been in years past if these lines are still playing at this level once we get to uh, we get to May. I feel like with that third line from 2019, we always looked at it with this kind of like, that's the ideal third line you want. I feel like part of it was because there hadn't been a good third line around here in a long time. It was kind of yeah. like Stadnika, the prospect, where everyone was like, oh, Jack Stadnika, like this is the this is the next Patrice Bergeron. And it was more, it wasn't really a lot of what he was doing. It was more so what wasn't around him, which was a lot of other right. good prospects. So now you're seeing what a, like a legit third line should look like. And color me shocked about Frederick. Again, like Trent Frederick, yeah. like you can say, Hall is your guy. Frederick, I didn't see a thing with. But he's complimented that line well. Like he's kind of, you know, he's the guy who I would expect to be kind of have to pull along a bit, kind of like Eric Hall, which we'll get to in a second on the second line. And he's been, you know, holding his own as well. A pretty safe bet that this third line is going to continue to roll the way they are. We're talking really safe bets, even safer than the third line, even safer than the first line with David Postrock on it. Good friends over at Bet Online. Isn't that crazy? Our friends over at Bet Online. It's crazy. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage as the tournament is upon us. We're in the elite eight right now, headed for the final four, looking to wager this year. Bet online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games again use our promo code seal on this 50 to get 50 percent off uh, or 50 percent off your first deposit bet online where the game stats where the game stats it's a funny thing you mentioned about coil because it's you mentioned this earlier in the show and you're like he's on pace for like almost 50 points on the third line it almost feels like if he was on the second line he would not have as many points because again he exploits those matchups he's just crazy which is like opposite of anything you think but he's just worked out so well centering that third line when we talk about centers who are over exceeding expectations eric holla 15 points in his last 15 games which is nuts Uh, and he had he even had a stretch there for like six or seven games in those 15 where he had went like no points. Yeah. yeah. He went a little bit cold. He, he did still produce and he still like helped out. Um, but the, again, the point production wasn't there, but that's wild. Like even the games that, that like when he scores, when he gets points, it's like in bunches, it's not like, you know, just one point a game or anything. it's like two or three. Um, and you're seeing the fit and we've seen, and this is not like a new thing. And it's the same with the third line, like Hala working between Hall and Pasternak has been like working since mm-hmm. January now. Yeah. That's three months of that second line just churning. It's yeah, it's really impressive to see how well they're playing. Again, maybe is is he the most talented guy out there? Well, we've been talking about like Tomas Hurdle and these guys forever. Of course, he's not at that tier, but sometimes it just comes down to fit, right? And how he, you know, performs in that role. And I think whether you talk to Pasternak or Hall, I think what they're most impressed with is one that he plays to their strengths, right? Where like he plays with pace, doesn't have the skill or maybe the exact, you know, straight line speed that a guy like Hall has. But in terms of, you know, playing off the rush with them, he fits in well. And he's also defensively responsible. So if it allows guys like Pasternak and Hall to be a bit more aggressive in the offensive zone, we have kind of this safety blanket back there. 
uh, in Hall, it makes a world of a difference. And I think you're seeing, especially they've been very good on the rush for most of this year when they've been as a line. But I think recently uh, Hall kind of talked about that after the win over the Islanders, they're getting better at kind of their overall game in the offensive zone of, you know, cycling the puck more, you know, adhering to the smaller details. You look at that game um, against Tampa Bay where Poston completes the hat trick. That was not off the rush, but it was one where Hall holds onto the puck, I think, at the offensive blue line, keeps it in, feeds it right back to Pasternak, who buries that chance. Pasternak's uh, five-on-five goal against the Islanders was a cycle goal. Like, you're seeing them capitalize on their opportunities a lot more different ways than just straight off off the rush, which is easier said than done when you get to the playoffs. Look at so many of these teams like Florida or Carolina that are very good off the rush. They get to the playoffs, the Colorado avalanche get to the playoffs, you, get, the you know, ground down. Yeah. And it gets a lot tougher. So the fact that they're, uh, you know, slowing their, their game down a little bit and still capitalizing, it's really impressive. Um, and yeah, I will gladly eat crow for the entire year. If, if Eric Hall was all of a sudden wins, seventh player award and has like 55 points and uh, he goes on this crazy run and the Bruins go five with him at two C one. It's a fantastic development because at least it's a short-term thing. Who knows? Maybe next year you run it back with him. You've got the same wingers in place. You don't have to really, fr- you can push that long-term concern down a little bit further. If he's playing like this, but within just the vacuum, the, the looking at through the lens of this year, he's fit the role perfectly. And that, that, the line as a whole is benefiting tremendously from him in the him in the middle there. Yeah. I mean, again, it's been a surprise. And again, I think it kind of hits, I was thinking about this today and I was like, you know, one thing that us media sometimes and a lot of fans, you know, one thing we don't have is patience, right? We're never patient. We kind of, you know, we never look at the long haul on a lot of things and it feels like with a lot of the pieces on this team, your Craig Smith's this year and last Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, Trent Frederick, um, you know, a lot of different Jeremy Swayman. Again, it took a little time to acclimate. And now they're all kind of fitting together with the right team. Even like Nick Felino is fitting yep. in on that fourth line. Again, we haven't mentioned him yet. And, and again, he's not popping off on the score sheet, but he's doing his job. Like he's a fourth line role player. Has he had the greatest season? Absolutely not. You know, could they buy him out at the end of the year? They absolutely could. But for, for what he's doing, that's a, that's a fine thing. So again, it's sort of like these things are, they're coming together at the right time. They're kind of like the Celtics, which that's like a whole nother level of like, oh, like that is bananas. It makes for a good spring. It makes for a good spring and summer. Yes, it is going to be a busy, busy spring. Uh, the bull gang maybe isn't that happy, but yeah, no, the bull gang's pissed. You're going to have, you know, your, your TikTok of showing the, the garden ice going to a court. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to just do a sequel and it's a third content one. Content well. gold mine. It's like the hangover. You're going to have so many opportunities to just keep do, showing, showing up the, the same, same thing, thing. <laughs> <laughs> just from a different angle. I'll go yeah. from, yeah, I'll move a seat every time. So, yes, you know, just keep moving around, you know, maybe do it from like down in the bowl gang, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, this spring is going to be awesome. You think about like the spring, right? You know, you have the Bruins playoffs, you get the, the NBA playoffs, you get over on the other side of town, the Red Sox starting up again, and that they're, they're done with their, you know, little or their big uh, lockout <laughs> little spat, yes. little spat. So that's back as well. So a lot of reason for optimism there. Um, speaking of reasons for optimism, speaking of things that feel like the playoffs that actually aren't Tuesday night, Maple Leafs come to town uh, quite the game. And the Maple Leafs are in quite the spot. This has all the makings and maybe I'm totally wrong on this. 
this has all the makings of a classic beatdown from the Bruins. And I know people are going to say, oh, stop, hold it right there. You're jinxing it. You're going to ruin the guy it. From, there's a guy from Ontario who's just typing away on YouTube right now, <laughs> ready to roast killing us. us. He's killing us for this. Um, by the way, I always notice in the comment section, sometimes I'll look and like a opposing fan will comment and there will be like 15 people going at that person that are Bruins fans. Well, I was like, thanks. Thanks guys. We appreciate the, that, that uh, was, the, the defending. That was me on Twitter with that friggin' the New York yes. thing. It was the yes. stupidest shit in the world. That, that was, was Rangers incredible. Fan. I, th- I thought my beef was with the Islanders fans on YouTube, but no, apparently <sighs> on Twitter they get, they get incensed Evan. Yes, they get this very all, irate. What, what was your initial tweet? What was your initial tweet? It was the game against Tampa. Charlie Coyle had that great drive where I think he went like forehand, backhand, and almost got the shot off. And it was like the crowd was rising. If he like buried it, yeah. the place would have gone bonkers. I think it was when it was tied in the third period. I remember this. And so I tweeted like, if Charlie Coyle buried that, the roof of the garden would like end up, I think, in Chelsea, is what I yeah. said. And like the next morning, a random Rangers fan tweeted at me and was like, uh, there's only one guard, man. It's uh, the one at MSG. Like, get your own name. And at that point, I was like, all right, it's Twitter. I'm not going to get embroiled in a debate. So I'm just going to reply to the man and say, okay, LOL. <laughs> However, what that then caused was then multiple Bruins fans jumping in, which is very entertaining. Yes. <laughs> uh, just jumping in and just creating this like extremely uh, unnecessary discourse over MSG in the garden. You had people like bringing out the history books of like the original Boston garden is older than MSG. You had like the people who were trying to be rational of, you know, you guys have the garden in New York and we have the garden in Boston. And that's, and I was like, yes. And then there'd be just some Bruins fan like, I've just got banners, idiot. Like, it, that, it would cause it all over again. <laughs> or like, I saw one who was like, MSG is trash. It's yeah, so exactly. It's like, your, your city smells like pee. And I was like, oh, guys, all right. So, True. of course, it, yeah, it went downhill very quickly. Come just again, like most things on Twitter, completely unnecessary, Evan. Yeah, you know, just get along. They both yeah. literally called the garden. Just be happy. Yes. Yeah. And you replied at one point and said, like, no, it's literally called TD Garden. Like, there's a name. It's it's just like someone replied and said, uh, there's only one garden. It's not named after a bank. And I was like, oh, no, this one's literally named after a bank as well. There's two (laughs) gardens. It's fine. We're not infringing. We're not doing copyright infringement on your your hockey bond. I love that side of Twitter. I like those. I like to watch those from afar because I'm not involved in it. It's too much. Like sometimes, and you, you notice this too, probably, like you'll tweet a GIF of something. I don't know, controversial or a controversial play in a game, whether it be a penalty or a big hit or something. And I'll have fans and my mentions going at each other for days. Like yes. the Minnesota game, Charlie McAvoy, like ran over um, Krill. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there were wild fans going to Bruins fans, like all for like three days after. And I was like, that is passionate that I respect. I respect that passion. I do. It's a lot. Get ready for uh, Maple Leafs, though, on Tuesday, because, you know, that's what's all going to be. That is why. That's what I've missed is Maple Leafs fans. Those are, I think, think those are the arch nemesis on Twitter. Yeah. We have not been we've not been exposed to these people in so long. that It's going to be like a good reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, guys. Um, But I will say the Leafs look rough again. Jack Campbell's on IR, I believe. in that, I mean, again, they, they out they outshot Montreal like forty seven or forty nine. I think it was like fifty. It was like I thought it was. I think it was fifty one shots because Allen had forty nine saves. It was fifty one shots to like nineteen or something, and they lost. Um, 
they look like they're in a rough spot. They're currently in the fourth spot in the Atlantic. Uh, they are going backwards at the wrong time. They were going up when you were going down. Again, this is also like November and December when it, you know, looking back, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Um, but again, this has the, uh, the Toronto. Who was it recently that went out? Some media person from Toronto came out and said that um, Jeff you Merrick. said this to me. Jeff Merrick said that they were like in the best spot to beat Boston they've ever been in. Was that what it was? He said, yeah, they're, if they go to the playoffs, who should they face in the first round? I said Boston. They said they're oh. the best equipped team to finally beat Boston. I was like, you, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, Jeff, but I don't know where that's coming from because I no idea. Like even when you had like Freddie. Anderson there before who's clearly benefited from getting out of that market. He was a much better goalie than what they've got now. You got like this, what's his name? Calgren? Is that his name? Uh, the, I don't know. The young guy number 50. Got? I know that. Yeah. They got him. They got Campbell who is on IR. And if he's coming back, you're very concerned that he's completely out of gas because he's never played <laughs> this much. In the last like month, he's been terrible. Like they've got the the Maple Leafs for years have had this pretty evident flaw of defense and goaltending. It's Crazy. even worse now. Like, I don't know. Like, again, they can score in bunches, but I don't know how you look at that team. And who knows? Maybe they come out and they win 4 nothing at the Garden and then the Garden in Boston, by the yeah, way. In Boston, yes. Fucking guy from Yonkers who's, like, punching his screener <laughs> now that I said that. Um, but, but, yeah, I don't know how you look at that team, not view it as the same old flawed team or even a, a even more flawed team when you just look at the state of their goal tank. I don't know how you can say it that way. And Giordano's on their third pairing. Like he, Giordano again is kind of washed up a bit. And like, that's also not like, and again, they're proclaiming that he's like, you know, what they needed on the back end. And it's like, that's just another like band-aid on a thing that needs stitches. Like this is yeah. not, this is bad. So um, that is ridiculous. What's going on up there. I am very interested to see uh, how this Leafs team looks up against, uh, looks up against the Bruins. I will say this, there will be no more unbearable day on Twitter than the day that inevitably it happens. Maybe it won't ever happen where the Maple Leafs beat the Bruins in the seven game yeah, series. I will get off Twitter that day. That will be the month. day that I go, you know what? This is where I take that mental health, that, that the, the, the classic mental health break on Twitter. That's where I go. See you guys. I'll be back yeah. in a month. Um, anyways, uh, if the playoffs started today, we're talking about playoffs a lot. You would not actually play Toronto, which would be the favorable. Ma- I think that's easily the most favorable match. Yes. It's not even close. Um, you're instead, you would be playing Tampa Bay. You'd have home ice, which you've had, uh, in the past two times you've played them. You had it once. Not in 2018. Oh, yeah. no, it wasn't 2018. They won one. They won game one. They won the, game one. Like, oh, this team's got, oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> both times, by the way, that was both yes. times they won game one. So if the Bruins want a real chance against Tampa, uh, in a playoff series this year, they got to lose game one. That's <laughs> got to lose the first game. That's what you absolutely have to do. Um, cause remember, uh, in 2019, Toronto won game one convincingly. Here, yes. like that was it was like four to one or four nothing it wasn't mm-hmm. even close, um, but you know even when Tampa's struggling I still look at that team and I say this is a team that won the last two cups they've had your number for a long time they're really good could you see this being the year where the Bruins sneak past a team like Tampa where you can beat them. I mean, I think they are beatable, especially when you look at maybe they've lost a little bit of depth. And granted, they've also did a good job adding pieces back like Paul and Hagel, who I think Hagel's uh, going to be a Bruins probably killer. I feel like he's just going to be that guy that's going to always get, even if they (laughs) like the Bruins beat Tampa in like a a seven game series, Hagel's still going to have like four or five goals to be a pain that whole time. Um, But I think you look at the way they match up. I think they're more equipped 
than in years past to battle them. And, you know, they've played them well in the regular season. I think they're 2-0-1, which you can kind of throw out when you get to the playoffs. But I think you look at their strengths and how they can handle them, um, especially defensively, um, whether you've got, you know, how stout they are in terms of negating those, uh, you know, high danger chances. I think the Bruins have done a pretty good job. Usually it's guys that, like, point who kill them. They've done a good job at, like, accounting for a guy like Kucherov, which is we're going to send out our fourth line guy. I'm just going to bug the shit out of you because Kucherov inevitably, inevitably every series will lose his shit at some point, do something yes. really dumb. It's not what people talk about with Kucherov, but that guy can get, can blow a gasket really quick over a series. Um, I think you said this, or maybe it was Ty said like, just throw Anton bleed on him. Like, yeah, just, like, exactly. Send yeah, him at you, him. Like Tim Schaller, like drove him crazy when they played Chris Wagner drove him crazy when they play. Like there's a, kind of a book out on how you can kind of get him off his game, Kucherov. Um, so, I mean, they're better equipped. Again, as you said, the ideal thing would be playing Toronto. Like the the best possible path is you play Toronto and you have Florida and Tampa kick the shit out of each other in a first round matchup yes. and go from there and you avoid, you know, at Carolina, let's say, until a little bit further down in the rounds is probably the ideal matchup. But if it's Tampa Bay, I'm not looking past Tampa. Uh, I think they're still a team that even if, let's say, they're, in a bit of a scoring drought, all it takes is a locked in Vasilevsky and you're going to have at least two or three of those games. Where you're going to be kicking yourself that they should have won. The Vasilevsky stood on his head. Now, again, we'll see what happens. The The thing that's kind of doomed Tampa the last couple of years has been, you know, Vasilevsky and these guys running out of gas because they just give him so many stats. We'll see what happens over an 82 game season like that. This has happened before. Hasn't been the case the last two years, whether it be the COVID pause or the the shortened season. So we'll kind of see what happens. Are the Bruins favorites in like a seven-game series against Tampa? Probably not, right? I still think that you can't. If you're done defending Stanley Cup champion with that much talent, you can't, but it's not insurmountable, right? Like it's even – but I don't know. You look at the way the Bruins are playing right now, I wouldn't put them as, you know, the favorites in a couple of these matchups, but there's many ways they can win. Like Carolina, a team that has spanked them, this regular season probably would be the favorites in a seven game series, but you can make out the argument that they play to their strengths. They can negate what makes Carolina good. Same as they've done the last couple of years in the playoffs. So they've also had Anderson's number a lot in the playoffs. Yes. The other thing is you haven't played, you played Carolina when you weren't exactly great. Like yes. again, you like you, now you're kind of coming together. It's kind of like if the Bruins played Tampa, it's kind of like, uh, Minnesota against UMass. We have this Minnesota team that gets super hot in the second half, not great in the first half, but really hot in the second half, up against the defending champs and beats them. Maybe that's what uh, has to happen. This is how I talk through the pain. I just kind of like very sorry, it, up and, uh, it helps me. Great team. Great, great senior team. class. Great senior class. Miss them already. Um, but I, it's funny. I do think if it was a series against Tampa, it would either be like Tampa in five or it would be like Bruins in seven. Like it would not be, I don't think it'd be like a Bruins in five or four kind of thing. Uh, but again, we'll save those predictions for another time. The other thing I think you have to consider if you play Tampa and get past them is it's going to be a grueling series. That's yes. not a series you come out of like feeling good. You know, this isn't like the Capitals last year or, or, you know, just like, you know, any other team like that you're coming out of this beaten up a bit. So who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, that's a long way away. Or not really a long way. It's like 18 games. Getting close. Now, so it's getting pretty close. Um, anyways, uh, what can the people look forward to from you, Connor? Uh, so yeah, over at BSA, we're going to continue to do our analysis of how these lines are gelling, whether there's any other maybe flaws in this roster that need to be corrected going into the uh, final stretch of the regular season. 
uh, working on a few more features. Had another goalie feature that dropped uh, last week about goalie masks and their design. Very Thank good. You very much. Um, we'll be working on a couple other things, maybe a few prospect centric things. I was I was going to hold off on prospects until after the deadline because you don't want to like have this great breakdown of their farm system and all of a sudden a guy gets shipped off somewhere else. So focusing on that a little bit, we'll see what happens when we get to the end of April where could be Lysel watch going into Providence or something like that. So a lot of stuff going on beyond just the obvious of getting ramped up for the playoffs. So all that will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins be listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.